on everyone i'm Heath, and i'm jay you're listening to host of horrors show where we discuss and review horror films based off of predetermined themes of the month jay you don't feel good i <laughs> i am not at 100 of my power so i'm just gonna make it through sinus attacks are a bitch <laughs> and luckily i had a negative covert result twice fold so we're good to go on at least on that note yeah, it's probably just Louisiana. I mean, literally, we were wearing shorts last week. Yeah, And no, now it's freezing. It's freezing, and <laughs> it's probably going to be sunny as all get out tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm going to feel probably more like crap. Yeah, no, because I think it literally was like Monday was warm, and then Tuesday, a cold front hit. And I started feeling like this, like, Thursday. So. So, like, it just has not been the best. Yuck. So, like. I'm going to be straining a little bit, and I'm sorry for the audio. <laughs> I'm sorry for the audio because of that, so forgive me in advance for being sick. How dare I get sick for things I can't control? Yeah, how dare you, man? Come on. <laughs> Where's your professionalism? <clears throat> I am weak. I am not like one of these professional people who can be sick and give it their all just to like pass out right after. I can't do it. I'm not one of those girls. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going to have to deal with me at like, at like 30, no, 50%. And hopefully the audience likes it. Well, I'm still at a hundred. So that's what matters. Good moving on. <laughs> so <laughs> the movie that we just watched is man is probably so far. One of the most experiment. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know whether to say ex- experimental or just like art housey. I wouldn't say it's experimental because there's nothing new that I saw, but God, it is very art housey. Okay, it's it's a good way to start out this month. Like, uh, it's a very good month. Like, so, Anna Lily Amrapour, the director of this film, fucking killed it. She's yeah, the writer and director. So this is a indie darling that you pointed out this is the indie uh film that was partially uh co- i think crowdfunded yeah. through indiegogo and 
it premiered on Sundance in I think 2014, and I don't know if it won any awards or anything. It should, but it just says according to everything. Yeah, it was chosen to show in the next program in 2014 Sundance Film Festival, and. I'm a sucker for Sundance related things. I'm wearing my um Sundance 2020 um Kenneth Cole jacket right now because I feel cold. I think I got the chills. But I, this was definitely a Sundance film. Like this is something that if you're go, trying to go for like an a fest indie festival film, ticks all the boxes. Oh yeah. And yeah. more. Uh, it's really good too. Really, really good. So this month we are doing a brand new theme uh, in honor of Women's History Month. Yay! It's Women's History Month. Every horror movie that we are doing this month will be directed by a woman. I mean, we have a wonderful lineup that I think I had my fiance help me out with these movies. So hopefully, hopefully we did a good job picking. Uh, I I think that it's a really good. A really good set of, as you can say, films that really, I guess, it kind of like gives us like what a woman's perspective on horror would be as compared to a men's uh perspective because horror in itself has become so much more massive as a genre that it's become from just being a niche aspect of golf culture to just being just as mainstream as everything else from like the seventies on. So you have a good crap ton of horror fans that are women or film presenting. And I feel like they have a lot to bring to the table just as much as men do. So we're going to be talking about 2014's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Okay, it took me a lot to try to say that without cracking up because it's such a long title. It reminds me of light novels from like this current era where everything is like an extremely long and sometimes unnecessary you know title but i think this title of the film i think translates nicely from its original uh, persian language and it kind of tells you about what's going on without really revealing too much like a lot of the plot is literally just a girl walking home alone at night i came in with no expectations but the little expectations i had were like blown away but i'm also kind of a sucker for films like these because i like sundance and i like those kind of indie films that really just kind of do whatever they want and from the honestly from the beginning from the very first uh frame it was giving indie art house honestly i will liken it to something that would could have come from the French New Wave of that era of filmmaking in the 60s and 70s where honestly the French just didn't give a shit about like Hollywood and what cinema was they took their own narrative on what cinema was and just did whatever they wanted with it and it's kind of gives like Jean-Luc uh Jean-Luc Godard I'm sorry for butchering that name, but it kind of reminds me of one of those films. And in the way it looks, the presentation of the film works extremely well in its black and white. And it kind of reminds me of also a mix of um, French New Wave and kind of classic Hollywood in a way. But in just the way that it, the lighting around everything just gives just very 
classic old horror if that makes sense well that's that's what i got was um early 30s uh black and white hollywood films because of mainly the sound design i love the sound design in this film and it's weird i kind of got spaghetti western from it but it didn't really come off until you mentioned on the wikipedia that it is classified as a spaghetti western uh, but only from the sound design, like from like the loud, bombastic music that does come in uh, juxtaposition to the quiet moments where like every little footstep echoes and it's, um, you know, over exaggerated every little step that they make. It's really cool. There's a really tense scene in the beginning where uh, the the drug dealer shows up mm-hmm. to collect his money and all you hear is the buzzing of the lights in the background, and that that's it. Like, there's this tense conversation going on, but all you hear in the background is just a constant bzzz, and it kind of gets under your skin just a little bit. And speaking of those characters, like, all of the characters feel neatly put together, and I don't think any of them were wasted. Once again, it just feels like so far over the past month that movies with like smaller bit of characters but very important characters to the plot and to everything surrounding the film it feels like there is once again no character wasted yeah it's like every character served its purpose <laughs> and were like gone when they uh needed to be gone from the rest of the film and it there's at times where you kind of just get lost in the film, in the world of the film, because it takes place in in Iran, and in the fictional just, city of a uh, bad city. It's just you can get lost in this world based on how the camera work is done, because it, it goes, it kind of shows you like day by day, like going just with the much of the oil rigs that are going on, the pollution the just the overall drab air like feel of the area including that one area oh yeah, yeah. Uh, with like the ditch with all the dead bodies yeah they're just you know it's normal it's a normal thing um i did want to bring up with the constant showing of the oil and the pollution and all that it's basically showing in my opinion it's kind of like a visual representation of the uh, surrounding area being drained of its life and you can kind of see that with the inhabitants that live there that all of them how well intent they start they always they always get dragged down because they stay in this city so it's almost like their environment is more of a vampire than our actual protagonist is and you kind of get lost with who the real protagonist is until maybe, like, the second act. Well, I mean, there's two protagonists. This is very much a romance, like, coming-of-age rom-com kind of setup. I mean, no com whatsoever, <laughs> but it's boy meets girl. They fall in love. I mean, it's basically like if um, Perks of Being a Wallflower was, a, like, Emma Emma Watson was a vampire. <laughs> That's what this that movie is, is. That is such an interesting interesting um comparison but that's what this is it, it's a romance film it's a coming of age romance film just 
sprinkle a little horror in there. Yeah, like <laughs> a little bit of death every now and then. It's like the horror, like the horror aspects of it, is used as a backdrop, is used as just a little lanyap, as we like to say in Louisiana, and you can tell that the the core of the film isn't necessarily horror, but it takes certain elements from horror and just it gives it just a a different kind of feel but it's like a weirdly romantic kind of like almost twilight-esque in a way except without all the the weird shit well it it does either that or it just kind of gives me just a like a very unconventional romance it's like this i'm not gonna say it's like a teenager's version of what something like this happening but it doesn't really mince any words about lot of the messages that are coming through it doesn't give romance until well within halfway through the movie like it does not there's no romantic tension whatsoever you Mm -hmm. just you follow um you follow the girl she doesn't have a name uh she's not given a character name you Mm -hmm. follow the girl and arish uh arash 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 you follow those two that's it you follow her at night him during the day sometimes he's at night or out at night whatever um basically um Aresh has a father who is addicted and he uh, cannot pay the money that his father owes so for he, said drugs for said drugs and his uh vehicle his car that he worked so long and so hard to get the money to pay for mm-hmm. is taken for collateral by douchebag dickwad is oh, all I'm going to think- call him I hate douchebag dickwad. I don't think they ever really gave him a name, but I think according to IMDb, his name is Saeed. Saeed? Saeed. It's douchebag dickwad. (laughs) So that's kind of how that part starts. So you spend much of the early part of the film following Arash as he tries to... It's like he's working so hard to get under his father's... shadow well no it's almost like his father is like the child like he has to take care of his father Mm -hmm. Um, that's why at the at the end of the movie where he kicks him out you're kind of like i mean yeah he deserves it feel bad but yeah he kind of deserves it this film has a way of making characters seem so either likable or unlikable but arash comes off as morally gray but he comes off as like he just got to do what he has to do uh-huh. and i think i like that because i think we've just been kind of dealing with very you're fighting one thing against the other everything has been so bombastic and to have such a quiet film comparatively speaking it sometimes comes off as like like a wallflower yeah it's, it's kind of like you're is it feels voyeuristic so this film kind of feels voyeuristic until you get to um, halfway towards the film. At the, I don't know. I don't I, know. This whole no, there is no like uh, like what you were saying with mm-hmm. every other film that we've done so far. It's so bombastic. It's so good versus evil. So you know, you know, black and white. This film, which being is literally black and white, yeah, has a lot more nuance to it. It's there is no other than douchebag dickwad. There is no villain. There is no hero there it's just these characters living in this shitty existence it's i think the culture which is surround that surrounds everything is the true antagonist because everybody's trying to 
you know leave or trying to like you know ignore it in a way or just they were just a part of it um the film itself after thinking about it some and kind of reading up on the synopsis and some of like uh, reviews of it while we we're prepping it gives kind of like a light feminist vibe to it but when you think about you know uh, the girl who's a vampire and like how she kind of really uses like reveals and uses that power she has against men who are being complete dicks or who are treating specific women wrong and oh, it's, women and i feel like women in general but the specific women not necessarily though i mean there there is the one there's uh the dad she does that with him and then there is douchebag <laughs> dickwad but then there's that helpless homeless guy and so i, I mean yeah I've, technically she does that a few times you know to help you know uh, those in need but i also feel like she's that's you know she she's says a vampire. she's yeah, she's a vampire so she needs like you know blood sustenance so it I think it really just depends. It's like it just happens to come off that way sometimes. To I me, mean, with the it, with the um with Ait or um Ati, what's her name? Ati, Ati. Mm-hmm. Uh, with her, yes, it definitely gives off that she did that to protect her. With douchebag dickwad, I feel like she just knew he was douchebag dickwad. But she, we did also see like have an appearance from her that. You know, Saeed and Ati was near whenever, you know, well, yeah, Ati but and I don't... Saeed were doing things while Ati was trying to get her money. And I'm like, girl, get your money. But yeah, because he was cutting her off and basically, you know, forced her to do things and still didn't give her her cut of the money. Mm-hmm. Fucking asshole. And I think that was one of the first instances of, you know, seeing the film. I'm going to call it, like, feminist light, because it's, like, it's not, like, over the head mm-hmm. about it, but it's, like, it kind of, hmm. I feel like that's a better term for it than calling it just feminist vibes. Well, I'm but just, just, like, just going to leave that out of it and just say, like, this is a vampire, of course. Yeah. So, she's probably been around for hundreds of years mm. and knows the under you know, underbelly of society at large. So when she sees something like that, she knows that, you know, fuck that dude. And she even mentions, like, I've followed you, like, uh, to uh, uh, Ati. Ati. Mm-hmm. Um, I followed you. I know you're sad. I know you've been saving your money to get out of here. So I think it's more like she was just cutting, you know, that chain. Like, she's trying to cut the chains that bond her to the city. Honestly, shoot, I think throughout the events of this film, with the people being connected through the girl Mm -hmm. that she was kind of the broken chain or the catalyst for the broken chain because a lot of the reasons why she like while like a lot of the reasons why characters are starting to to think differently is because the actions she done well, you don't even think anyone thinks differently. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what happens to um, Ati. We have no idea what happens to the little um, orphan kid, the little homeless kid. Yeah. We only know what happens to the girl and Arish. Um, Arash. Arash. Um, you know, but you know what, though? Speaking of the little orphan kid, like, for a second, I was like, why is she, like, targeting old old boy? Like, she's trying, she's trying to make sure he doesn't turn out like old 
dickbag douche. I think that's probably why. Because like kid on the street, I mean, that's that's easy, prime that's easy pickings for you know a person to come along and be like planting their little bad influence on him. Mm-hmm. So if she scares the shit out of him for a little bit, and was like, "You stay a good kid." He's like, "Uh huh." What the be shit? She did her job. <laughs> I'd be fucking terrified. <laughs> I, so, yeah. I'll be terrified too. Like talking about scared straight, (laughs) (laughs) I will be scared straight as hell. Like man, it just there's just so many nuances about this. Like very, it's like the act. Is it feels like actions speak louder than words. Is the one of the things I'm getting from this movie? Yes, no, because just like the music and the di and the the music and the dialogue both are used when necessary. Mm-hmm. Most of this film is carried through quiet, somber moments and visual. And buddy, oh, and this movie is gorgeous. Oh yeah, like black and white. I think the absence of color, it not only adds on to the feeling of despair, the feeling of drabness that everyone feels. There, there was a way that uh, Amapur made this film feel beautiful in its imperfections. And it kind of feels like, because I, I think because everyone, of course, is Iranian, and but is I like they're from Iran they have our they're Iranian but they're a lot of these actors are American born or root have their start their origins outside of Iran but still have that connection to Iran that there's a lot of just different nuances that I feel like brings this film to a higher level because of the connection to Iran that everyone has and it feels like even though everyone's outside, like everyone mostly like from outside of Iran, it just lives up. It feels like they live and bleed Iran. It's like they know this area like the back of their hand. Like there's probably stories that multitudes of their families have told about how this place is. Because I want to say that it's shot in the Tehran, the capital. And, you know, this being the Middle East, there's so much, there's only so much that can be done Mm -hmm. and so much around you that's all of just the war, famine, just a lot of shit. There's a couple of moments where I know it wasn't set dressing, but there's a couple of moments where, like, you see walls and stuff that have clear bullet holes in it. Mm Mm-hmm. And (laughs) that just adds on to just these just the despair you feel you you feel like you're are like i say it's voyeuristic it feels like you are just a bystander just watching all of this happen sometimes and i like the little bit of like western influence that this film just kind of like piece puts together in the uh form of whenever we see the girl in her room with all of the different kinds of like posters from like the 1970s 1980s like Madonna, Lionel Richie, Prince, just you can tell how like there's a lot of outside influence in the way that she interacts with people that adds on to her foreigner, her alien vibes. Even you know she's literally a fucking vampire. So like if that's not alien, I don't know what else is. Yeah. Besides you know 
aliens um the western vibes i got again were the quiet moments where the 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 footsteps every footstep you clearly hear and i love that shit and like when the music comes in it, it fucking like it almost overpowers the scene so all you're left with is just the music and the visuals that's really what i got it reminded me a lot of spaghetti westerns i think that like we've gotten different things out of this but it kind of follows the same the same vein but i think we picked up on a lot of different things which i think that's really cool yeah about how we were able to pick up different readings of stuff based on just viewing this film um i do okay one of my favorite scenes is actually i got two favorite scenes two favorite scenes my favorite one my one of my first ones is the take where <laughs> Arash. That okay, that whole scene I love from Arash just dressing up as like for Halloween as Dracula. Okay, and... yeah, hang on. Context before we get into that. Oh, so, yeah. So douchebag dickwad dies, which I may talk about if he doesn't talk about because that's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, I'll let you talk about it because I think you can be able to like explain (laughs) how awesome that death was and how good it felt before. (laughs) Like we, I think we're our favorite scenes are different. I'm just an emotional ass bitch, so (laughs) I love emotional scenes. So, dickbag douchewad dies. Um, um, Arash is there to try and get his car back. He meets vampire chick, and vampire chick's like, "Hey," he's like, "Hey." And they walk past each other. He goes in and realizes, oh, God, Dickbag Douchewad is dead. Let me steal all his money. <laughs> Let me steal all his money and his drugs. So he starts selling drugs on the side, making more money. And then that's when we get to the party. <laughs> so, so just had to throw that in there because he now is selling uh, drugs. He's just, yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, he's he needs to make some money because uh, despite also i think he just took the opportunity because yeah, fuck it i would yeah because it's like there's one less person to you know there's one less competition so you took his whole stash and you're just like all right i'm gonna sell this my damn self so from this whole scene of like you know arash dressing up as dracula which ooh, i love that i love that aspect of it and him taking the X, which he didn't he, want to. He didn't want to, but it's kind of like how you don't really, you don't, you don't do your own stash. You don't. That's number one rule yeah. of drug selling. You don't do your own stash. You don't Tony Montana yourself. But the girls that you know, there were some girls at the party that they were kind of flirty, flirty, wordy, wordy, and they were like, "Yeah, I heard you got some X." So you know, he's being nice, kind of flirty, uh, gives him X for free. And then they take it, and then the one of the girls comes back, which I found though I think the one of the girls was actually played by the director herself. Oh, really? That, so that was really cool. I think uh, Sheeran. I think the was it the skeleton one or the other one? I think skeleton girl. Okay, skeleton, skeleton girl. girl makes more sense because the other one was the the rich bitch mm-hmm. from the beginning of the movie, though who he was hired by. Mm-hmm. He stole her earrings and gave it to a vampire. <laughs> I love unconventional romances. <laughs> so yeah, that was the director and rich girl. Basically, was all like, "You take it." Can I have another? And then yeah. was like, "You take it." And you can tell. And I like that little part because 
from the moment that he puts the heart, the pill that looks like a heart in his mouth, and it's just like, and you hear just nothing but st- almost like a static, and it just goes to just a very, just like French New Wave version of someone who's being intoxicated. Oh, that dude was high. And man, <laughs> obviously that was his first time. I feel like taking any kind of drugs like that because well, yeah, he he's was. Seen, he's seen his father. Mm-hmm. He knows how his father is, so he's never wanted to take drugs. I don't blame him. So. But you know, see, horny, horny, horniness kind of outweighs morality sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So with that, he goes into this just very just surreal like instance, and he tries to kind of like, okay, adding on to the horny, he I think he tries to like uh, make out with the rich girl, and the rich girls are like, stop. Yeah, he goes to kiss her, and she's like, what are you doing? Back off. Let's dance. And you can just tell that, like, for a second, I thought his whole vibe was just, like, ruined. Like, mm-hmm. that killed off a lot of his buzz immediately. I'm like, dang, you got cock-blocked by the rich girl that forced you to take the pill. Dang. And he just, like, sits there while everyone else around him is having fun, which, you know, felt. Yeah, I <laughs> mean- like i'm not having fun tonight like <laughs> dude it happens sometimes you're having a good time and then one little thing happens and you just become that angry drunk mm-hmm. been there done that way too many times <laughs> <laughs> so it leads into the next part of the scene where is a this nice is so little like long take for part of it of him just walking down this random street because he's lost Which... and looking at the looking at a lamp like a moth trying to find lamp i do like the juxtapositions between the settings i hate to cut you off but like Mm -hmm. between the actual city landscape that we see how dilapidated and uh worn down it is to almost seeing like a suburb and then you have the rich girl's house you still see like the dunes in the background but it's almost like this beverly hills hollywood mansion in the middle of all this fucking chaos uh, I just I don't know. It is really cool even, because even thinking him of... walking and you see the suburb, it just it shows the disconnect yet how close they are at the it, same time. It just it goes into the whole thing about you know what kind of money she comes from mm-hmm. based off why how her area looks as compared to the rest of the city. Yeah. And you know with the w- gap in all so many Middle Eastern areas just mean wide as the fucking ocean. So it makes it makes a lot of sense. So. I do like that like that just position, and it's just <laughs> seeing Arash's Dracula just look at just is it's, it's kind of like I think the whenever you're high or like you know seeing things because uh he was on X, everything's pretty pretty shiny shiny, everything's pretty pretty shiny shiny. So he was looking at that thing like a moth that was hungry for some light. <laughs> and yeah, no, that was that was because it reminded me of like there's a moment when I was a kid. We were in high school, and we could have oh god, if the cops would have pulled up, we would have been fucked. But we were all stoned and drunk out of our ass. Oh, you were crossfaded. We were lying on the street, on my neighborhood street, with a uh, a case of beer in the middle of us, just lying on the street, staring at the stars. And here comes 
vampire girl. You know, she's riding on her the skateboard that she took from the kid that the kid just dropped there after uh, she scared him shitless. And it just goes it I think it's because he's in like he's inebriated that he doesn't feel scared. He doesn't really feel he if he's he, it gets off. He's different from the rest of the guys. It's kind of like that. No, he's fucking st- like she could tell he's high. But I know that. Oh, but okay. it's also no, like he's fucking high. Like he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> but it's like at any time she could have got just like lunged at him and just like sucked all his blood. Like she could have attacked him at at any moment, at any given moment, and she didn't. So is but it was really cute because he was like, "I'm lost." Where are we? And she says, "We're in Bad City." Say, and which also goes to your juxtaposition because it's like, it says it's Bad City, but like it looks nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was even more good juxtaposition right there. Yeah, I think what it is, the reason she doesn't attack him is because he's not doing anything. Let's say, like, okay, like, let's say, like, in her head. She can justify the homeless person because she's basically putting them out of their misery. Uh, I hate to say it like that, but I can see her justifying that. Douchebag dickwad was douchebag dickwad. Uh, fucking um, Hazin. Hussein. I, um, Hussein? I don't want to say Hussein. I thought it was Hazin. But I really want to say that... Arash? Is, oh, Hussein. Hussein? Hussein. Okay. Uh, Arash is dead. I'm just going to say that. Rosh's dad was being a dick to Ati. So those the three kills that we do see in the film, you can justify them in some sort of way. If she would have killed Arash, I no justification whatsoever. I think deep down she even though she's cursed, she's not a bad person. So I think that's why she didn't kill Arash. And she's someone who has done bad things, but those bad things don't necessarily make her a bad person. Yeah. It just, those bad things are just kind of par for the course considering, you know, her genealogy. Yeah. Her, you know, her nature. Yeah. And I think that's why most of her killing is, you know, you can justify them. It's not just, you know, killing for the sake of killing. It's, I have to kill to feed, but if I have to feed, it's going to be for, you know, a good reason. It makes the kills worth it. Yeah. So, the rest of the scene plays out. Basically, he's just being just, I thought it was very, very cute. Very, very LSD'd. Like, and just like, I just like the fact that he's Dracula with an actual vampire. And I'm just like, that, I like, I see what y'all did there. And that thing is like, I just thought that was like kind of cute because they're obviously different, but it's, it feels like the roles were reversed for like, a couple of minutes because of the fact that no one per- neither of them knew no, who the other was or he didn't know what she was but she knew what he is which is not dracula so i thought that was like like cute and I, then <laughs> i like the whole hey will you sit down with me no i can't sit down but okay. I, can't, I have to sit i have to sit i can't get up right now you can sit at my home okay and then, I still can't get up right now. And but she, like, <laughs> she takes the she, this, she's a you got to know she's a vampire because like, 
she is powerful. <laughs> like she is, she is strong. So she like just like pushes him in the cutest way possible to her place. <laughs> she she's still stone faced, which I like. Like the the only time she smiles in the entire movie is at the very very end. Throughout the entire movie, she's just got this blank expression the entire time. And she's just got this stone blank expression while pushing this guy on the skateboard while he is high as a kite having the best <laughs> damn time. He's just sitting there going, Wee! And this is where you see start to see a lot of, I'm going to say a lot, like the first little bit of like romantic tension starts to kind of rise. But it's in the form of what I like to call long take to long take because they're just kind of chilling there uh she's out, out she's like doesn't have her garb on and he's just laying down and she's about to put a record on yes and the record's on and you can tell how much music influences her mm-hmm. and he slowly gets up looking at the disco ball that's above her and well she's still standing by the record it's well, just, above, it's just hanging. above, yeah, hanging yeah. from above him. But she's just and standing by the record, and he gets up and spins the little disco ball, prompting her to turn around. Slowly, mind you, like and it Wait, go- no, 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 no. He walks up to her. Mm-hmm. That's what and it is. He walks I up to her. Like these, like long takes where it's like it's, it feels uncomfortably long, but you don't feel how uncomfortably long it is because you can tell that is. You can tell that it's trying to build romantic tension well, in what, a long take for I it. And liked, I like that a lot. What I liked is you almost get this horrified, like, like scare to it because it builds romantic tension when she turns around and they lock eyes. But then she, like, grabs him by the hair, pulls his head back, and goes for his neck. And you're like, oh, bitch, no. No, don't do that. The no. contemplation is there. Don't do that, please. No, but then she stops and rests her head on his heart, and then it's just a sweet moment. And you're like, oh, oh, y'all are cute together. It feels like you can tell that she, I guess he kind of makes her feel, I guess, human in a way, and it feels really good to see someone kind of treat her as if she's a human like everyone else instead of just this foreboding figure and that everyone else has kind of perceived her to be and i think that's part of the whole uh like feeling outside of yourself feeling othered by everything else that around you feeling different and just having someone kind of was like treat you just the same way they're treating anybody else that's that's the really cool part about this whole the whole scene and you could just tell that kind of the kind of sort of romantic aspect of it takes over in a way the rest of the film because you can tell that um he's trying to pursue her kind of sort of while still dealing with sorry he is he's trying to pursue her and he's he's falling for her and and she's falling for him but is trying in her really own little hard, way trying really hard not to and you could just tell that like there's a little bit of determination in a way in arash because of this newfound love and it works it it just every it, it just works mm-hmm. and just the slow burn of this film just makes it just work even more so it works a lot to its uh 
advantage. Yeah, because uh, everything before this point was very horror-esque, especially even with the vampire. It, she, there's a lot of moments, a lot of scary, tension-filled moments. Mm-hmm. After this, yeah, there's a kill here and there, but most of the rest of the film is kind of sweet in like a really yeah. dark way. It's, it's a very darkly romantic film. <laughs> I feel like the goth Iranians will just live for this because it gives reverse Twilight. You know, this is better than Twilight, like 100%. This is like... Honestly, this is like if um, Let the Right One In was a romance. Even though it kind of oh, is a romance. Oh, you're right. I don't know. You're this right, is, you're right. This is more, this gives me more like coming of age film where Let the Right One In is more horror movie. And I I can see the horror elements of it. There's a lot oh, no, obviously there's horror, horror elements. Yeah, of it. for sure. And, but, but I think the the coming of age romance is a little more heavy, especially towards the end. And I think, which I'm okay with that. Yeah. And honestly, with all of our films being very almost strictly horror with a bit of different genres like sprinkled in there it's good to see how so i think i said this way back when when we first started the podcast i like when horror kind of like is the backdrop for other genres to kind of bubble up to the surface and kind of pop out like in the same way in science fiction and i feel like this movie is a great example of that because at its core, it's a like a goth romance film with you know drama elements. It's a indie spaghetti western horror genre. It's a genre bending kind of film because it just is. It doesn't try to be one thing or another. It just is, and I think that's the best part about this film that. It doesn't try to be anything else other than what it is. Oh, yeah. No, the goths are going to love this movie. (laughs) And you can go into other aspects of pull other lessons from this film about, you know, what it means to be family. Trying to find that someone that found family, especially after after Hossein dies. That's almost like a whole nother shift in arash's character you can tell that he feels like well he's I, static i think that until was, then i think that was his chain being broken i think every character in this movie has something holding them to this city and the girl but, is just the catalyst for that chain being also, broken she also is being held in the city if it wasn't for arash asking her to come with her she didn't fucking hesitate she hesitated when he said he wanted to be with her but she knew that being with him in this city was a bad idea. But now that he's offering to leave with her, she didn't even fucking hesitate. She Mm-mm. just said, yeah, let's go. Let's go have a life together outside of the city. Everyone, including the vampire, has something holding them to this fucked up city. Whether it's uh, Arash's dad, uh, uh, whether it's Arash and his dad, whether it's Arash's dad with the drugs uh the the uh douchebag asshole making money his profit um with Ati being uh, sad trying fit like being the only person who's been expressed to leave who's 
shown expressed interest in leaving and not only like anything she said she didn't say anything about leaving but you can tell through what the girl says on top of what the girl says the map that was in her in her room you can tell that she was wanted to leave almost like the most mm-hmm. out of everyone there because of the fact that people well i mean people i mean saeed was like oh you're 30 getting old and that whole thing about women's youth running out at the age of 30 is <laughs> is bullshit and i'm yeah. glad that now you can tell that there's a little bit of hope there's a little bit of hope in these characters now even if it's not in the shown in the best way or in the best light you can tell that there's a spark well, it's in ambiguous. them now. what i like about it is because it's ambiguous it's real life like you can sit there and have an opportunity basically hand it to you and still fuck it up or you could have absolutely no opportunity whatsoever and make something out of it you never know and mm-hmm. i like that about this film is if you want to think uh atin got out of there and had the best life you know she had she could ever have so be it so be it if you want to be that nihilistic person that's like you know money doesn't guarantee a happy life and she's probably still stuck in bad city you could be that nihilist you know I-, I like that there is no guaranteed answer i like the fact that um arash and um the the girl the vampire just drive off into the dark i also like the fact that there's no it kind of gives like no have you seen pacific rim unfortunately yes i I love guillermo del toro and i love kaiju movies but um, uh, uh, i like pacific rim it's so it's so bad even guillermo del toro is like yeah i wanted to make a movie that's so just so unrealistic and could never happen and just go balls to the wall with it i'm like (laughs) you go guillermo it's not my movie but you go i love godzilla movies but goddamn this movie was little Mm. well the reason i bring that up is because i like the dynamic between the two leads how and how that even though you can tell that there was some form of like romantic tension building, they never crossed that line. And I like the fact that that line was never crossed in this film either. They is like a lot of their um romance is very visual, very subtle. They look at each other. He gave her those earrings, he pierced her ears. <laughs> And she he, never took the earrings off after he gave it to and her. And never took the earrings off. She, they just nothing do, sexualized. Yeah, and nothing. You never, you never see them embrace each other other than like a, a sweet moment of her resting her head on his chest. Mm-hmm. You never see him kiss. You never see him, you know, have sex. It's just love. It's actual love in its purest form, which I agree with you. I do like that. Yeah. So I think that's where i just i think the film performs at its best and despite the fact that i feel do feel like there was sometimes where you get lost in it i think it works in its benefit to where you get lost in it because you just get lost in the world and then something happens and it just springs you back into like oh there's things happening mm-hmm. and my mind kind of wandered a little bit kind of makes me wonder is like what is outside of these walls what are the lives of other people around here. And you have, obviously, there's, like, a drug problem in here. 
and a violence problem, violence. a whole fucking ditch full of dead bodies mm-hmm. that everyone just finds normal. And it just it it makes you wonder is like, was it all because of her? Was it all because of just everything going around around town? You never really know. And the questions are never really asked and nothing's ever really answered. And I think leaving it in that shape is just and just kind of uprooting yourself especially after a traumatic moment as seeing your father just laid dead presumably from drugs the drugs that you presumably gave him on his last moments you're just like yeah no fuck you get out this house that can cause a, a good bit of guilt because it's like damn did i kill him was it me but should i give him that drugs it's like have that mind that thought process go in your head and just seeing all of that all those nuances and seeing how the film ends it leaves you wondering there could there be a sequel could there be a no if there's a sequel that would ruin this movie or any kind of like additional material to maybe tie up the loose ends or maybe that the loose ends are just you know they're just the the seems are just there to expose. Yeah, you know, I think any like tie-ins or anything. I think any continuation of the story would ruin what this is. Mm. Like the reason it it being ambiguous is the whole reasoning behind it. Mm. it it's got it. I I love the fact that this is ambiguous. Um, what okay. was your? You said you had two favorite scenes. What was your second favorite? Um, <laughs> um, it was the scene with Ati and whenever you see like the last little bits of horror uh appear about to say basically just to save uh ati and it kind of makes you wonder if the cat was you can say the the link between arash and everyone around her and the girl maybe the cat maybe it was just like coincidental i can see that in the editing but i hate thinking that like to me if that is the case it kind of ruins a little bit of like the the connection between her and Arash. I yeah, I don't. I guess I I don't really see. I, I don't really see that because like it didn't really see it kind of until the end. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a cute little connection between that little uh that little kitty. The and, cat is know, adorable, adorable, and I love that they credited the cat. Right, but the cat like, the cat's part of the cast, and I love that the cat's one of the best actors in the film. <laughs> and I think one last oh okay, let me finish my favorite scene. Yeah, that scene, and then another scene featuring the dad. <laughs> was the um the mirroring scene that i thought that was like a cute little scene just to you know kind of break the tension and just add on to like the horror-esque uh feel of it but oh, you mean of... when he was coming down no when he was talking to ati because that he was a his... mirroring scene you know whenever was that was that the same person or was that someone that, someone else you know whenever like old dude was talking to ati he was like hey come get money then you talk to me, kind of that. That was that dude. Oh and I could, yeah, and I could have okay. sworn that was the father. That yeah, was, that was that was the father. And you, you, I got you. You went from one scene to another scene, but it was still the same two characters. Yeah. So I thought we were still on one scene. I'm yeah, like, what the fuck are you talking about? I got you now. Though. But it was like that scene where every move that he did, she did, and I just thought that was that was funny. I like that part. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the death was pretty cool of the dad because. Basically, he goes, he's kicked out. Uh, Harash, um, Arash kicks him out because he's tired of it. He's been trying to get his dad off drugs. 
and his dad is like a good couple of days of um rehab before he just breaks he starts claiming that the cat has the mom's eyes that she's judging him starts breaking things and Baby, those that's not rehab those are the plain over fucking withdrawals and he had him back he had them bitches bad and this is coming off very bad the morning right after arash proclaimed his like basically announced his love towards uh the girl and she says no we can't do this and leaves him so he's he's not having a good time and his dad starts breaking shit you know blaming his mom and stuff like that and arash is like you know what take the money take the drugs get out of the house take the cat i'm done take the cat i'm done leave and um uh the dad goes to ati and pays her money for Sexual favors, and, and then takes it too far. Like oh Mindu my god, takes it way too far. Tries to basically drug her. He no, he ties her up. He with, takes her oh belt off and tie, like bounds her hands together, and then <sighs> injects the drug into her. That ugh. I I I didn't know where the scene was going, and I I, I was like, I I don't even know how to explain it. It's like whenever you see most like like very like sa scenes and you just like feel it that Mm -hmm. feel like it's about to happen and while i'm glad it didn't happen it still sucked because like she just passed out and he just passed kind of sort of just passed out with her and i was like oh that didn't go the way i was expecting it sucks still but it didn't go that route and then you know death but yeah the girl shows up and, and kills him which hooray but also Poor Ati. All in all, while this is like an like a, I guess a collab between America and Iran, considering like half the cast are either American born or like very international, it just feels like a very homegrown film, and I feel like <clears throat> if there was like a Hollywood remake of it. This wouldn't not, it would not fly. It would not work at all. Hmm. I now Hollywood would butcher this. Hollywood would definitely butcher this, and I feel like Hollywood would make yeah. this into Twilight. They would market <laughs> it like Twilight. I feel like they would market it like Twilight because, like, looking at the poster, I wasn't expecting this. Reading the title, I wasn't expecting this, mm-hmm. and I think I liked it because it it worked. It showed just enough of what was going on without any kind of expectation it's like oh just a girl walking home alone at night i wonder why and then you see the poster and it's just like almost like a gruesome like nun image it's almost like a nun you think oh maybe it's a horror movie about a nun but it it just goes beyond that and just makes a compelling story as loose as some of the little tidbits are it takes that little loose story and just runs with it and runs with it well mm. and i think it works in his favor oh yeah so um my two favorite scenes so my first favorite scene obvious it is the first death the first death and the first time we're introduced to the vampire girl oh i love it so much because i hate that douchebag i mean douchebag tracksuit wearing tattoos on their face with sex tattooed on his neck just d- douchebag 
mean to auntie a douchebag fuck him but fucking a uh, vampire ch- girl shows up and he's like okay let's go back to my place goes back to the place he turns on this god-awful disco music snorts some cocaine smoking a cigarette goes over turns on the fucking or turns up the music a little bit louder and then starts lifting dumbbells in front of her like yeah you like this as he's got like his track suit like halfway unzipped and it's like dude god i hope you die i even told jay i was like i hope he gets the most gruesome death i really hope it's good it is okay it's pretty good but um it's just it's it's this long tracking take and other than the music and like the subtle sounds of him like tapping the razor on the table so he can break up the cocaine you you just you follow him doing certain little things while she just stands in the background looking ominous she finally moves and the tension is broken only by the like the subtle sharp sound of her fucking with a uh symbol on a drum set that he has because of course he has a drum set he goes over there and he tries to do the little finger thing on the lips that he did to ati and i was like "Ooh, bite his fucking finger off bite his fucking finger off what does she do she bites his fucking finger off (laughs) bites his finger off and then proceeds to just suck him dry of blood and i was so happy i was like yes Fuck yeah. Honestly, I feel like if it wasn't for the fact that he she bit his finger off, I'm pretty sure that he would have just took the fangs and would have thought he was she was in a blood play or some shit. So I'm glad that he is kinda dead. So I like that. That was a good scene. That it was, was a it good was a very good scene. And, and it kind of sets the tone. Yeah, it's, in a way. Well, it sets the tone for the first half, because you get this like ominous undertone throughout the entire movie or throughout the entire beginning until she shows up Mm. once she shows up you're like okay yeah this is a horror movie and that's when like her and uh arash have that cute little like oh hey yeah i know i got blood all over my face and you see me walking out with like a bunch of jewelry and cds and stuff but uh bye (laughs) walks away And then Arash goes in, takes the money and his car back and all that good shit. And in the end, when they leave, he looks ominously at the girl as she grabs her belongings, which includes all of the things that she has taken from Oh Boy. Yeah, I was going to get in that. That's my second favorite scene. Oh, go ahead. Second favorite scene is literally the ending. I love this ending so much. It is so good. So basically, as we said, uh, Arash's dad is dead and he finds him dead. And that's pretty much, I feel like that he's done. He has nothing else holding him to the city. So that's why the breaking the, point. Why stay here anymore? The only thing that's holding him here is the fact that he loves her. And she wakes up, which she keeps having this dream of him um, walking towards the darkness, but being cast like the shadow of light being cast behind him. Imagine nothing but a simple silhouette and seeing this figure, this male figure just in the very, very center of the frame, just 
sitting there and she, menacingly. But she keeps having this dream. SpongeBob joke. Fuck your SpongeBob joke. <laughs> keeps having this dream about him. And she wakes up at night, of course, and finds him asleep in front of the door. And she's basically like, what the fuck? He gets up and he just walks in. Like, not even say anything, just walks in, and she's like, okay, whatever. Shuts the door. Still wearing the earrings, which I was like, oh my god, that is adorable. Oh, she's still wearing the earrings. That is so cute and precious. Because after, at this point, they had the moment in, at the power plant where he kind of, like, tries to tell her that she, lo- like, he loves her or really, really cares for her and, you know, goes for a kiss, and she's like, "I, we can't do this. Like, this just isn't going to work, and walks away. So even after that, he still shows up and is like, I'm leaving, and I want you to come with me. I know you said you've done some bad things. I don't care. I want you to come with me. And she says, okay. Actually, she says nothing. She just starts packing her bag. And to me, that is like one of the sweetest moments ever. But that sweet moment is then undercut by the cat walking in. So the dad, when Arash kicked his dad out, the dad took the cat. He took the cat to Ati's place. After the girl killed the dad, Ati was like, you need to leave, get out of here, and and take the cat with you. I, I don't want it. Just, you need to go. So she takes the cat. At that point, Arash knows something happened. He's not, he'll he'll never know exactly what happens unless she tells him. But she knows that at some point, she and his dad contacted one another. That's the only way she would have gotten the cat. Then that's when he looks over and he sees all the jewelry and everything that she starts pouring into the bag. Because, of course, they're going to need money wherever they go. And they get in the car and they start driving away. Quiet somber nothing all you hear is the sound of the road as they're driving in at night and he pulls over off and off to the ditch not off into the ditch but like off to the side and he gets out leaving her in the car by herself and you don't know exactly what he's thinking but he just has a moment where he has to think he has to think exactly what's going on you know did she kill my dad if so, should I be angry? But I mean, like, the whole reason he's dead is the reason I'm leaving the city, which the city is nothing but a, a, a cancer to me. You know, it, it holds everyone down. Um, and he just he just sits there and he thinks for a moment. And he gets back in with absolutely no words said whatsoever. And she, at this moment, still has a blank expression on her face, but is I, I kind of feel like she's scared. You know, what if he opens the door and tells me to get out? What if he's done with me? What if, you know, this really isn't going to work out? And again, with no words being said, he takes that cassette tape out, puts it in, hits play, and it's one of her songs. And she look, they look at each other, and this is the first time she actually smiles. And they drive off to the sunset. Well, not even the sunset, the night set. Drive off into the dark. And it's so sweet with no dialogue. Like, I don't think there was any dialogue at the point where the cat walks in. And you get all that visual storytelling. It's just, mwah. 
Oh, it is so good. It just works out so well. And I think the last thing I want to talk about for like a little bit is it feels like a rockabilly kind of flavor too when you think about it. It kind of adds on to the whole spaghetti western uh, feel of it because you can tell that Arash was in, either has that ins- inspiration to get that kind of like that greaser look because that's the way that he looks throughout most of the film is almost like a greaser from the outsiders. Mm-hmm. And on top of that and the car, which obviously looks like it's from the 19 like 70s or so, but looks 50s. brand 1950s, but brand new. You can back cassettes. No, did they have cassettes back in the 50s? I can't remember. But no, they didn't have cassettes back in the 50s. But from the white wa- white walls on the tire to the paint to the design of the car, it looks. It's like, probably a modern vehicle just designed yeah. to look like a 50s vehicle because it even had leather seats and like the big steering wheel. So it, it, his character is designed 50s. Yeah, it just feels like just. Against the backdrop of horror, gives spaghetti western, rockabilly, just kind of a very night. It's just a very vintage feel, too. It feels like it's vintage at the same time as modern. Mm-hmm. And I know I said this, well, it, that works, but that's the one thing that I've noticed the most. Cause, it feels yeah. timeless, really. Because the girl gives off this kind of, like, 80s, like, punk vibe, in, in my opinion, where he gives off a, a 50s greaser. Um, the fucking douchebag looks like he's straight from the 80s. You know, never left the, the like, the tracksuit wearing, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe, hell, I would say even, like, early 2000s, really. <laughs> With the resurgence, yeah. Yeah. Cocaine but, and all. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It it just seems timeless because it seems old school but modern. It seems young yet old. It it I don't know. It's it's cool. Yeah, because like you could put this in any time frame. I feel like really, and it works because it, it doesn't really give off any kind of time Mm-mm. to where. Well, the only thing you can probably say is because of the big flat screen TV in Saeed's room. Uh, and she does that... bring up Lionel Richie at one point and, yeah. and the posters and stuff. So you know it's either at that time or a little before it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Just the overall vibe gives the timeless. The vibe gives timeless. Even though you can probably say it takes modern, like at modern times. But I feel like Iranian uh, times modern are slightly different from American because or just before so it just works mm-hmm. and yeah no this this film was so different than what i was expecting and i'm kind of glad it is it is yeah it's it a good is, change it of pace so much better i i was expecting this to be okay at best like i didn't i i've heard praise about this i've heard it's a very 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 good movie but i didn't know what to expect i knew it was a horror movie and that's it. So I'm expecting, you know, a girl walks home alone at night. Okay, is this going to be like stalker movie, slasher movie? Um, I've heard vampires. So what? A vampire stalks, you know, a girl as she walks home. No, you know, I'm thinking traditional horror. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking that I'm going to fall in love with these two characters and find them to have the sweetest romantic storyline that I probably have seen in the last couple of years. It makes you think outside of yourself. 
makes you think outside of what the modern take of what horror is and i said it already it just kind of gives weight to other genres against the backdrop of horror so i overall think it's a good good job jolly good show as they say good shit good soup (laughs) uh final thoughts final thoughts um i think i love this movie I really think I love this movie. Um, yeah, I. It's hard for me to like pinpoint a single final thought for this movie. I, it's adorable. I love the romance between Arash and the girl. It's so sweet, and they're so precious together. I love the visual storytelling. I like. I like the fact that a lot of the emotions you get across is through physical acting like you know just again the end of the movie ends with her smiling that's it i mean that's 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 it when you can end a movie by something as simple as the first smile practically being cracked in the entire movie it's so so good the sound design the editing the directing the writing the acting the visual the cinematography this movie's good man I was shocked that this movie is as good as it is. I really like this motherfucker. <laughs> I I do too. Um, uh, my final thoughts are it's just it's a good surprise. Um, I think the only detriment I may have to it is mostly on me and how my mind likes to wander. So I don't think it's the film's fault. That's just me, and also me kind of being sick too is it like too much of a slow burn or it's too much too i think right now i feel like i'm gonna appreciate this film way later yeah i'm gonna rate it way higher later (laughs) but um yeah it's it's very slow burn and i think due to my inebriated state due to my like less than 100 percent right now is a little bit too much of a slow burn but the slow burn paid off it was a good payoff for the slow burn, but I'm still going to possibly just rate it three three 3.5. Really? Wow. I think that's been my average is yeah. big 3.5. Honestly, fuck it. I'm going to give it a four. Four? I'm going to give it a solid four. That's my final answer. My final answer is this is a five. I loved this. I really loved it. This is filmmaking, man. This is cinema, y'all. This is well, I wouldn't say cinema. The, I, I I think this is this is cinema. Wait, I don't know. Like I'm a little different. I when I think cinema, I think like you go to the movie theaters and watch it. I don't think this is like you have to go to the movie theaters to watch this and get the full experience. That's what I I get me, that. That's what I think of when I think cinema. I, I know that. I'm different than a lot of people, but when I think cinema, I'm thinking of an event style movie. You know, you go to the theaters to get the full experience of this movie. I don't think this is a blockbuster uh, by any means, but I do feel like we need to... We This is fucking art. This is art. And everybody, I feel like, needs to expose themselves to more art house films or to more... More... Yeah, more art house films. Because, like I said before, despite the fact that technically this is an American film, it doesn't feel American at all. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. 
I'm not saying this is American. I refuse to accept that. <laughs> it's not. It does, this this is... was an American film. It would be worse. <laughs> <laughs> but the only way, reason why I call it American is because of the fact that most of the cast and the director and writer is American. Okay, that doesn't mean it's the, American film. It doesn't have to, but you can't deny that there's a little bit of that that outside, like that American influence that this has in this film. Well, yeah, I mean, and but I, Iran has a lot of American influence as far as like pop culture goes. Yeah, a lot of it's in bad ways. Well, yeah, it's not in good ways, but I'm just like, that's just the thing. Like, American pop culture is kind of like all over the world. Yeah, um, just yeah. don't just please don't accept our policies. <laughs> right. <laughs> just don't follow us on that agenda. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cough and right into the mic. Jesus. But overall, uh, people just need to expose themselves to more. Like, as director Bong Joon Ho has said one time as he was accepting a Oscar for his film Parasite, which is a Korean film. He said, once you get past the one centimeter long text that is subtitles, your mind will be expanded to watch more foreign films. Oh, yeah. No, by far. Yeah. Honestly, like, I give foreign film, like, there's a couple that aren't, like, that great, but I give more five star reviews to foreign films than I do American films. I think it's because we are so used to just how american cinema is that we forget that cinema technically is a french invention technically but but that's that's not where i'm getting at whatsoever okay i I guess i was getting at that because cinema is very international and people don't really see how international cinema actually is how film actually is as an art form internationally as compared to just domestically domestically meaning america take it from someone who works with a lot of blue collar average joe guys as far as like co-workers and people that come in to buy stuff it's because americans are lazy and they don't want to fucking read i've literally i've heard that argument multitudes of times when it comes to anime I have told someone that because uh, I have a coworker that likes horror movies like I do, and I literally was telling them that the the Wailing is one of the best horror movies ever made. You have to check it out, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out." The next day, came over and was like, "Dude, you didn't tell me it was in Korean. I, I can't watch that." Well, why the fuck not? I'm not gonna read a movie. You fucking lazy bastard. I guess he's not gonna watch Ju on it either. No. <laughs> Pitiful. Pitiful. <laughs> Pitiful. But yeah, those are my final thoughts. Um, yeah, it's And my rating. This movie's good. Check this movie out. Get support it. Love it. It's great. It's better than Twilight. We <laughs> we watched it on Tubi, so it's free with ads. It's free with ads. And it's if you it. take out the, you know, the breaks I'll say it's kinda of like the mental breaks and everything because of the ads this is a good film to watch plus especially for free y'all it's Tubi. it's free yeah hop on that shit that's bad i feel like because i do want to force my fiance to watch this um but i know because of their adhd they're gonna hate this so much and because it's an art house film they're gonna hate this so much 
At least so there's much. no decapitations. They would uh, love that. They would. I'm lo- pretty sure they they didn't like any of the decapitations in any of the A24 films that we watched. They don't like A24 because those are art house films. They're literally watching Demon Slayer in the other fucking room where there are decapitations every other scene. Right. They don't care. They want campy. Okay, for example, next week we are doing uh, Jennifer's Body, which is... Diablo Cody. It's not Diablo. She wrote it. Wait, I thought she directed it. No, Diablo Cody wrote it. It's directed by Karen uh, Kusama. Really? Yes. I thought you. No, Karen I only K. knew that it was the Diablo Cody film. That's all Written I knew by Diablo Cody. That's the only Look that only frame up. of reference that I have Look for Jennifer's body is that it was like Get face palmed. That G- uh, Diablo Cody. No, this is my fiance's favorite movie, so I have to know everything about it. <laughs> See, Diablo Cody deserves way more than she does. Like. Oh, the- Jennifer's body deserves more respect than it does. Maybe Pete. I was one of those people that shat all over this because it was marketed as a sexy good time movie. And I was like, I don't know, 12, 13 when this movie came out. And I was like, oh, yeah, Megan Fox, sexy good time movie. Hell yeah, this movie's going to be awesome. It's not what I got. And therefore, I thought it was garbage. So they marketed poorly on this movie. And I was a stupid, horny little child. Your words, not mine. I was a stupid, horny little child. If you can watch Jennifer's Body and not like it, then the only reason is because you're stupid and horny. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. Anyway, now that you know what we're going to watch next week. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to try and force my fiance to be our special guest. Woo! Yes, it's going to be fun. Because somebody... Has yet to have what? No, no, we're even because you got your brother on as a guest. Oh uh, yeah, a brother woo. and his girlfriend, who yeah. I like very much. <laughs> what? She's cool. She's cool. She's cool. Hunter, so, eh. she- <laughs> <laughs> Stop laughing. You're gonna okay. die. Let's end this before I die for real. <laughs> Anyway, so join us next week as we're going to be watching Jennifer's Body. Uh, This has been A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Please, for the love of God, check it out. What you should also check out is all of our episodes. We got them here on YouTube. We also got them on Spotify, Apple. There's a whole freaking playlist. There's a playlist of parking lot reviews where me and Jay discuss uh, brand new stuff coming out. It's awesome. We're all over the place. We even got the social medias. We're on everything, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, who, you know, I run almost half of those. And let's just go ahead and say all of those. Oh, my God. No, we're going to say all of those. I think I do a a piss poor job on Letterboxd, and that's about it. (laughs) So, of course, I can do better on promotion, but social media stuff is hard. But anyway... We're also on everything. Only thing we're not on is TikTok. I'm still trying to figure out how we're going to do that. Um, but I say l- ring that bell, of course. Yeah, like, and, subscribe, ring the bell, please, like you said. Please comment and tell us what you think and give us some interactions because I love trying to co- like react to other people's comments and just actually like comment on stuff and have it to where it's just you know, not randos. So... I want some regulars. Like, come on. Come on. Give us some regulars. I'm okay with randos. 
<laughs> I'll take the randos. You can take the regulars. Okay. I'll take the randos. I'm I... more of a slut that way. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you're listening on Spotify, honestly, if you're listening on anywhere, I think now you can um, rate podcasts now on Spotify. So, you know, give us a high rating or be honest with how, you know, you rate us. Please, if you give us like a two, actually a three or below, please let us know why. We like feedback. What I mean, we, I mean me, because I'm, (laughs) I've been doing this for almost like six months now, and I'm still trying to get over my impending gay voice. And now that I'm also sick, I got gay voice on top of sick voice. And yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing wrong with your gay voice, and if someone gives us a two stars for simply because he has gay voice, I will punch you down. I feel like someone's gonna do it just for the lols, just to. I just will to... shove those lols <laughs> up your ass. Oh my god! <laughs> but until then, it's been Jay. Cough, cough. <clears throat> oh god, that hurt. And I've been Heath. <laughs> and this has been Hostel Horse. See you next week, guys. Oh. <laughs>